Okay, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Uh, Isaac is going to read the the main verse here. Why don't you go ahead and uh, read it? Uh, actually, let me see what I have. I just have that. Let me get two more scriptures. Uh, Eli, read Acts twenty twenty seven. And uh, Nathan, read Second Timothy two fifteen. Okay, here's a passage Isaac's going to read. It's out of the Old Testament law. Go ahead and read it. The whole chapter? No, no, no. 22, 9 through 11. You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. <clears throat> okay, this is a passage out of uh, Old Testament law. Old Testament law has what would be to us seems like some strange, um, some strange rules here. Don't plant two different kinds of seed near each other. Don't use two different kinds of animals at the same time and don't mix two different kinds of cloth is the that's the essence of the passage so what does that have to do with us this is important this is actually a uh, a question that that came out I'm uh, getting back I don't see him here today but but Dwayne Renz asked me about this passage in his bible reading and he asked what with old testament law such as this how do you develop sermons out of these Old Testament law commands? And so um, so that is what we're going to look at. This lesson has to do with sermons in Old Testament law. And uh, we're going to look at putting together a sermon here. Okay, let's look at, it, at an incorrect approach to the Old Testament, first of all. The Old Testament contains the law. And uh, these are primarily found, you have the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, but Genesis is, is uh, historical. So, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are filled with specific rules, law, their commands uh, uh, from God. <coughs> and there are some, what would be to us, some strange ones. There's one that says, you shall not boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. Any of you here, you struggling with that? It's like, should I or shouldn't I? <laughs> like, you know, I don't even have any goats. Why do, why do I need to know that? So there's uh, strange commands in there. So because there are uh, scriptures that are either hard to understand or, or things that don't necessarily seem to apply to us, you have some incorrect approaches to the law. Number one is they want to make these rules literal. And we did a whole thing, the Jewish roots nonsense is, is all about this. So they want to apply Old Testament rules to today. 
and uh, uh, you know that's what that's what Jews do. They take here. They they will not. If you go to Israel, uh, if you have meat in your meal and you have uh, coffee after dinner, they will not give you milk because you can't mix milk with meat. That would be uh, evil. Somehow God would be upset with you. So they they make that literal or. Or the, the Jewish dudes. Everybody got to have a beard. Do you know how stupid I would look with a beard? I want to I tell you that right now. I couldn't grow one, but it, I would look like a dork anyway. And, or or it's, it's big. You got people, we're not eating pork. And some of you ate bacon this morning and you definitely are bound for hell. So uh, <laughs> so you apply that literally. That That is an incorrect approach. I bashed that for, for weeks and this is a huge movement in the church. But but that's what people do. They look at the Old Testament law and they say, yep, that's what we need to do, which would be impossible. Number two is you have people, they ignore the law altogether. That has nothing to do with us. We're under the New Testament. Uh, and so the only thing they'll even look at in the Old Testament is is uh, history or, or wisdom. You know, Psalms, Proverbs, okay. Don't worry about anything else. We're only New Testament. So if that were the case, then that means God doesn't know what He's doing. It's like, God, you're, you're smart enough to create the universe. You're not smart enough to realize that you've got a whole bunch of stuff there that we're never going to read. And so we're just ignoring your word. So obviously that's not acceptable. The third approach is people who do use the Old uh, Testament, but they over-spiritualize it. So they want to make all these little rules and laws, and they're looking for deep symbolism they use symbolism they use numerology and uh so they're always so if if you if you are looking heavy symbolism and numerology basically you could take a scripture and make it anything you want to be i uh, heard a sermon from a guy one time and he was talking about the fact that david took five smooth stones and so he said you know why he took five smooth stones because there are the five-fold gift ministries of the New Testament, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, you know. I don't know about that. <laughs> that. Who knows? We don't have any way. The Bible doesn't say that's what it is. But he's making a big deal about the number five. And so this is what it means because there just happens to be five somewhere else in the Bible. That's what it means. I, I, I don't know. Um you know, it's, he was going into battle. That's what you do. You you take enough ammunition. I, that's how I look at it. But anyway, so you over spiritualize. So you get, if you over spiritualize, man. You can go off in some because basically there are no rules on how to insert. You just make it whatever you want it to be. So that's not helpful. All three of those are wrong ways to approach the Old Testament. If you ignore the Old Testament altogether, you're not going to grow in the Word. Number two, you're going to fail to preach the whole counsel of God. God intends the whole Bible to be preached. And uh, so you can't ignore it. And then thirdly, you can get into some strange false doctrine and you're worrying about symbolism and numerology and things that we can't really prove one way or another. Uh, then people really get off in false doctrine in, in that. Acts twenty twenty seven. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Okay, the whole counsel of God. So, Paul says, as a good pastor, I told you everything. It wasn't just like, you know, hey, I'm sticking in the New Testament here, and this is all I'm going to tell you, or one little section. Or... <clears throat> good preacher preaches everything. Okay. So, having said that, let's talk about 
rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have a command that's given in 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Okay, your translation says correctly handles. Uh, in the King James, it says rightly dividing. And the word literally means to cut it straight as opposed to crooked. So that is good preaching as you cut it. Uh, you cut it straight. You don't wander away from what it's supposed to be. You don't, you don't wander in a scripture to what you want it to be. Is you cut the word of God straight. So, we're going to look at this passage that gives us three commands. Don't plant two different kinds of seed. Don't plow with two different kinds of animals. And don't weave or, or try to make clothes out of two different kinds of materials. So, what do we do? We either ignore that. I'm not making shirts, so I'm ignoring that altogether. That, that would be an incorrect approach. I <coughs> uh, make it literal. Some of you here, if you look on your tag, on your shirt, you see that God is displeased with you according to Scripture. <laughs> and that, of course, is, is dumb. Or I over, overly spiritualize it, linen, which stands for, and I go into a long tirade about linen or wool or whatever it, it, it might be. So, how do we get truth out of this? So, one of the things that I've taught you from the beginning in, in uh, putting together sermons or, or learning from the Word of God has to do with revelation comes from asking questions. You are not going to understand the Bible unless you have the ability to ask questions. <coughs> so, you have the big picture questions you have to ask. If, if we're concerning law, you have to have at the back of your mind. The big picture questions would be, why did God give the law to his people overall? What was the purpose of the law? You know, in a, in a big picture, there were there were more. You know, there's more than one reason. But what's the big picture of it all, Isaac? Because of sin. But what does that mean? Yeah. To illustrate how bad sin was and how much stuff we had to do to try to pay for it. Uh, yes. Okay. So if I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you so we can get it through. So the law had two really two main purposes. One, it shows us our need for outside help. So what he's saying is, if you see how bad sin is and, and how involved and how impossible it is to get rid of it, you need outside help. You can't fix your own sin. And back then it was animals had to be sacrificed. Well, obviously looking ahead to Jesus Christ. Number two, the law had to do with demonstrating differences in God's people. God's people are not the same as unbelievers. So those are the two big picture. Uh, uh, if you're looking at anything in the law, you have to have that at the back of your mind. Why does God give us all this stuff? To show us our need for outside help and to show us how we are supposed to be different from, uh, from the world. So it's not simply that God is worried about mixed material clothing. Okay, you're, you have a... Uh, woolen linen uh, 
shirt or suit, God would be displeased. No. Show our need for outside help. Demonstrate the difference in His people. So, then there are some specific questions about the purpose of the law in each passage. Here, think about this. So you have to ask this question. In those two categories then, there are some... All of the different kinds of laws, they come down to a number of issues. Number one is you have passages. Is this to demonstrate the power of sin? So, in in the Bible, it had all these passages about... Imagine what it would be like to... to uh, to live in those days, I did something wrong. I gotta, I gotta wring this pigeon's neck. I gotta cut the, you know, slice the throat. Go, you know, and and so it's like that is disgusting. That is the point. There are passages that are showing us the power of sin. All right, go back to your passage now. Look at your passage. Here it has to do with don't plant different kinds of seed. Don't plow with different kinds of animals. Don't mix materials in a shirt. So, is this passage showing the power of sin? I'm asking a question. No. 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 Okay. So, that's not what this passage is about. There's a second thing, uh, that uh, question that you ask is, is this passage to demonstrate our need for a Redeemer? The Old Testament word is substitute. So, there, there are passages, all this about animals having to be sacrificed and killed, cover, the scapegoat, all these different kinds of things are looking ahead to Jesus Christ. You need a Redeemer. Our, is our passage, is that about a Redeemer? No, no. no, it's not about a Redeemer. Number three, the law had entire sections of how to treat other people. Right? So, you know, remember that you were slaves when you go in. The the strangers, the sojourners, widows, orphans, all that. There's a lot of law. So, is this passage about how to treat other people? No. No. Okay? But still, we're within the two categories of law, which is, uh, remember what we said in the beginning, outside help, differences in people. Is this simply a practical concern? This is the, the, the fourth. There were numbers of the uh, laws in the Old Testament that were nothing more than practical concerns. They were out in the desert. It, you know, when you take a dump, cover it up. This is sanitary. Why? I don't want you to get sick. So is this a practical concern about sanitary issues? No, that's not what this is about. And the, the final category in law, if you're summing up all these things, is there were things that were visible demonstrations of holiness. Holy means to make separate or different. So, in this, is our passage a visible demonstration of differences and holiness? Yes. So, that is actually what this passage is about. If you take those five questions, most of the law, and there may be a a, a few more uh, that I haven't considered, but most of the law will fall in those five categories. 
you're reading through. It's, it's demonstrated the power of sin, showing your need for a Redeemer. How should you treat other people? Practical concerns. Or demonstrating holiness. And that is what all of the law shows this. So, now we have... This is a visible picture of differences. So that's what this passage is about. So, now we can come to the passage and begin to uh, examine. So, all right, look at the Scripture again. Read, read through it for a minute. <clears throat> so this is going to be about, in a, in a big picture, about demonstrating holiness or difference. Three different ideas. What do you suppose then is the main idea? We now know it's, it's going to be about holiness or differences. But if you're to sum up these three issues, what is God's concern here in one word? Well, basically not mixing with sinners. Well, but why did you say sinners? That's, that's not what it says. What's, what's the concern? Would it be order? Yeah, it can be. So you're you're jumping ahead, Matt. You're 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 making an application. We're not applying. What's what's the concern here? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a result. So that, that's good. But I'm I'm making you think. So you're you're so so Matt's jumping ahead. He's trying to apply it. You're you're saying it gives the result. If you do, he's saying this is what will happen. So, but but before you get to what it's going to do, or before you're going to apply it, you got to decide. In a word, what in one word is this scripture about in each of these? Mark? Equality? Equality? Uh, not really. Purity? Purity is what, the, what he wants mixture. in the... What is it? Mixture. Okay, mixture. That's what it is. So all you did is you went too far, Matt. So mixture. So the main idea of this passage, this is always... If you're going to understand any passage, you have to find out what is the main idea. So we have three different applications, all of which is, he says, don't mix seed, don't mix animals, don't mix cloth. But it's all about mixture. Okay, so now that you have the main idea, now you can begin to... Uh, understand it. So, he's talking about the principle of mixture or the dangers of mixture. So, now that you have the main idea, which is mixture, you look at this, instead of trying to make it symbolic and, you know, this has to do with linen, which is the symbol of something. I don't even know what linen would be the symbol of. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. So, <coughs> let's now go through these three things and let's ask the questions of what would be the practical effects if they mix it. So, number one, don't plant two different kinds of seed in your vineyard. What would be the practical effect if you were to plant two different kinds of seed? Two different kinds of fruit. Okay, that would be a possible. Maybe barrenness. Why? Because... I mean, there's two different kinds of seeds. I mean, the soil might not be right for one. Okay, it it does. Yeah, go ahead. Is it because one could take all the nutrients and all the water it, and it, choke the other one out? It, it can be, yes. It, it, that can be a matter of one grows high and blocks the light. I mean, it can be one has better root systems, yes. Yes? Uh, one is 
Okay, that can be. That can be, and any of you, uh, some of you apparently didn't pay attention in science. Remember that thing about pollinization? So you've got you to have pollinization, and so you understand this is how plants actually grow and develop fruit is pollinization. So God, in wisdom, he was smarter than biology teachers. He knew that this, is, this will affect. So if you sum up all of the things then, what is God's real concern in any of those things? What does planting two different kinds of seed affect? You're right on all of these. What does it affect? Fruitfulness. Okay, so that's what I would write down. Fruitfulness. So God has a practical... See, we don't have to get... I don't have to apply something super spiritual. It's practical. God says, if you mix, you hurt fruitfulness. Second thing. Don't plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Okay, so what What would be the practical results of plowing with an ox and a donkey at the same time, wouldn't be able to plow straight. Why? One stronger or faster. All right, one stronger, faster. Yeah. There's size difference. One is going to be bigger. Okay. And so, but what's going to happen if you do that? Yeah. Nate. Oh. Uh, just their um. One them being strong together, I think it would. They wouldn't be able to work well together. They would be divided. That one would get weak, and the other one would eventually get weak too. Okay, that can be. You have a hand? Yeah, I, I, it would just it would be a skew. It yeah. wouldn't be a straight line. Wouldn't be straight. Okay. So in in my mind then, if you have if you're putting animals in there, you have a purpose, which in this case is is plowing, right? So in my mind there is is that plowing with an ox and a donkey, you are affecting purpose. The first one you're affecting fruitfulness. The second one you're affecting purpose. These animals are not able to fulfill their purpose. Right? You see where I'm getting that? I'm not making that up. This is not myth, myth, uh, mystical. It's, it's practical. Your purpose. The third thing. Don't wear clothes of wool and linen together. Why? What would, what would be the result if you... And so really this is, this is talking about people who are making. They're actually weaving new... You know, This is not like I'm going to... You know, pennies and and buying a a mixed shirt here. So imagine they're weaving literally out of two different kinds of materials. So what would be the practical result if you did that, Johnny? Fall apart. Why would it fall apart? Two different fabrics. You're right. No, it's you're you're on the right track. But why would they fall apart? They don't blend well. They don't mix well. They don't mix well. But what happens? Working. Let me know what. It'll tear. Yeah, they have different shrink rates. That's exactly right. So one shrinks a lot, one shrinks a little, and the one that sh- so it'll pull apart. So in this case, then it is actually talking about damage. So here, God, there, therefore, now you take this what seems strange to us, you know, uh, the animal plowing, you know, farming. I'm not a farmer. I don't plow with that. But now it actually, fruitfulness has to do with me. Purpose has to do with me. Damage, you can hurt yourself. You can damage things. Okay, so now you see we have taken something that is, seems to have nothing to do with us. It actually does have to do with us. So you can see what, uh, what it has to do with. Okay, so 
once you are able to find the main idea or the big idea, which is uh, which um, uh, we decided here has to do with mixture, we have seen some practical. How does this work out? It affects purpose, uh, fruitfulness, and and uh, you know safety. We could say or uh, damage is what it does. So now, what do we do with this? This was actually the question that Dwayne Renzer asked me originally. He said, what would you do with this passage? How would you make a sermon from an Old Testament law? Okay. So here is, here's the, the, the key is that in our, remember what I have, uh, what I have taught you is that you need to be able to have linear thinking. That means in a line. What comes first? So, we have three different scriptures, three different commands. So, that could be three points. But I would suggest that wouldn't be a good sermon because you haven't explained anything. So, what do you suppose we have to do first? If we're going to develop a sermon, where should you... In other words, you have to think sometimes it has to do with... Uh, you know, I, I have, I've taught you things like curse, cause, cure. Uh, in other words, that, those are linear thinking. What is the problem? Where did it come from? How do you fix it? That's, one, that's linear thinking. That's in a line. So in this case, if we have this main idea of mixture, what should we do with it? So what do you suppose are the elements? Give me some ideas of what would be the elements of a sermon about mixture or the dangers of mixture. That's what this sermon would be about. What do you suppose we should do with it? Who has a hand there? Uh, maybe, maybe mixing from... Like good, and, good and evil, like spirit and flesh. Okay, but that is that that is that's a, that's true. But uh, that is now an application. You're, you're exactly right, but you're applying it. Before you can apply it, what do we have to do first of all? Yeah. What do you suppose we have to start with? You have to convince them the danger. Mm, well, yes, that yeah, I suppose it is the danger. <clears throat> you know, what are you going to say? what we looked at in the beginning, how, why, how the law works as far as the picture. Well, probably not, because otherwise the sermon would get really muddy. If I'm <clears throat> explaining the law, well, I, I explain to you the law so that you can approach any law passage and understand it. I, I, I've just given you some, so I, just, I just made to you, in essence, giving you the two main statements and the five ways it applies. If you read now the Old Testament law, you won't be... You ever read through all this? Like, what the heck does that have to do with me? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I'm just giving you... You can now understand it. But I, don't, I would not suggest that you need to explain that every time to the people because that'll, that'll be too much. What are you going to say? Maybe the importance of this because, you know, earlier we were talking about how we're reading it and it may not apply to us right now in today's life. But really it is important because there's a lot in these three verses that... <coughs> that okay. normal people would just look right past. Okay, yeah, that's true. So, what I would say is that we have to build a case. If you think about it, 
the three things that we looked at, like our brothers, he, he brought out, those are applications. God has a principle. What we have to do is we have to start with the principle of mixture. You build a case. I would suggest that the three things we read actually are the applications of the principles. So what we need to do in the first point is we need to bring out the principle of mixture and why mixture is a bad idea in general. The second point would be how does mixture work out? What does it do if you live your life with mixture? What do you suppose a third point should be? If mixture is the problem, what then is the answer? I think some of you even said the word. Someone said it. What is it? Purity. Purity. Okay, so no mixture. And And then what will happen if you have no mixture or if you have purity? Okay, that is what we call linear thinking. It's in a line. I present the principle. God says mixture is a bad idea. If you say, if you have that as a truth, what should be the second thing? What will it do if you live with mixture? And thirdly, how do we fix that? That is logical thinking, linear thinking uh, in a line. So, that, that is, is uh, what I would do with that in the, uh, in the first point. I would lay out, it's, it's actually... The Bible uses a word <coughs> from the beginning of creation. Remember this? He says he made everything after its. After its, what did he kind, made? Kind. kind. What does the word kind mean? Species. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually, it's, it's important in the beginning. So again, the Old Testament is like, why do we need to know this? He made things after its Kind. Species, type. And God is very specific about that. Plants, animals, everything after its kind because Genesis is how things work well. You can be productive, fruitful uh, if it's after its kind. Then after quick saying that, I say the problem is in life there are mixtures. You have different kinds that don't go together. There are things that are not supposed to mix. I lay out that principle. And so, this has to do with more than animals, horticulture, or clothing. These were, what what was the law? Many of these things were simply visible pictures. They could see looking at a field. They could see looking at clothing. They could see looking at animals. They could see, yeah, that doesn't work. Or this is the way it, it, it should be. So really, what would be now in the overall... Uh, our, our brothers started to say it. So overall in the mixture, what is God's actual concern about mixture? What is He concerned about us mixing with? Un- Go ahead. Unpure. It is unpure, but but in in this case, what do you suppose the biggest concern uh, God has for His people here? What are we? I was just thinking of the illustration that you did with 
somebody, you stood on a chair, you had someone stand on a chair, and you said it's easier to pull <coughs> down than to pull yep, up. Yep, yep. So that, that is the application. So what is it in, in your life? If I say, Andy, mixture. Watch out, man. That is the big deal. So, uh, like peanut butter and jelly? Is, I mean, is, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, 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 what is the mixture? What are we talking about? Mixing with the world. Yeah, but well, I mean that—that's a big, big term. What, what is? How do you mix with the world? What is it talking about? Yeah, not really. This scripture is not really about sin. None of these are sinful. Like-mindedness. Yeah, but how do you have like-mindedness? So what is it? How do you? Who do you? Who? Do you, <laughs> it's people. So mixture is all about people. You mix with. People that are not good for you. That's actually the application, isn't it? Right? Be not unequally yoked. So God's concern in joining is about you can mix with people who are not good for you. Okay, so we, what would be some examples of when you mix with people that are not good for you? What does the Bible give us some practical examples? Name some, some people. What? I was going to say bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, but. that's a scripture, yeah. So now that we have this idea, people, now you're thinking there are scriptures that warn us about mixing with people. In what way? Does, does, that, does that mean that you, you say, I can't go to work, there are sinners that work there? Is that what that means? I can't work with uh, sinners, right? I can't go to a birthday party at my grandma's house because there's sinners there. So, but, but it gives us some practical ways that you... Mix with unbelievers, which would be how? All right, that's an application, but it gives us some real... Sorry? Marriage. Marriage. Okay, don't, don't marry an unbeliever. And, and we've seen, haven't we seen this in our church over and over again? You see some dumb girl show up with a guy and he's not saved. It's like, what? And they're not here today. That's amazing. Almost like God knew what he's talking about in the first place. Right? So, love. I, I know he'll... He says he's, he can spell Christian. Right? <laughs> so, love. What would be another practical one the Bible talks about? I would say business also. Business? That's right. You should not start a business with an unbeliever. Got this great business opportunity. I'm going to go in with a guy. He's a, he's a <laughs> total sinner and I'm going to start a business. That's not biblical. That's dangerous. What about um, friendships? Uh, can be. Yeah. Yeah, then you can have, of course, believers, uh, um, you know, carnal people. Uh, one of the things, you want to be a good disciple, you, you're, you're going to be passionate and on fire. If all of your friends are carnal and don't love the things of God, you're not going to be in love with Jesus and on fire for very long. Then, of course, people who, you know, they want to spend all their time with backsliders, with immoral people, with rebels, you know, people who are bent towards the church, talk bad about the church and the, and the pastors. So... So we have, therefore, number point number one, I can shotgun a number of those things and, and uh, lay out the principle that God says there are people that can harm you. That's a Bible principle that's very, very uh, uh, clear. Point number two would now be, in our scripture, the damage of mixture. It gives us the practical results. And so what happens when you are 
spending all your time with carnal rebels, you know, et cetera, et cetera, love relationship business with uh, unbelievers. What does it affect? We have three practical effects. It will affect your ability to be fruitful. It will affect your purpose. Number three, it will do damage to you. Right? That would be point number two. And you have various, you can look for various scriptures in that. Point number three, then, what's the answer? The answer is purity, the power of purity. So what we need is purity in relationships, practical decisions. I'm going to protect my fruitfulness, purpose, my soul. Very, very, very practical. Over the years, is uh, uh, you know, some of you are here because you came for rehab. All my years of ministry, one of the things I, I know is, is if you want to be free from drugs and you go hang out with your buddies at a crack house, you're not going to be free from drugs. Right? That's not rocket science. That's Bible. It's very, very simple. We've got to make practical decisions. So there are things. And in, in, in over the years, I've, I've now been... Um, I have now been saved for 37 years. In November, it'll be 38 years. 38 years, I have had to make practical decisions. There are people, they became rebellious. I love them. They're, they've been my friend forever. Some of them even been family. But you're not going to hurt my purpose. You're not gonna, so I made decisions about that. So, we have to do that. Sometimes make decisions. Timothy says, if anyone will purge himself from these. So there are times in which I'm not going to or I'm going to make decisions about relationships. Then, the blessing, you always want to end with the blessing and with hope. If you will do this, God will help you. He'll do more than you can do. I think one of the greatest examples of people who made right decisions in relationships was Joshua and Caleb. They had a purpose in God to enter into the promised land. They're surrounded with millions of unbelievers, ten spies, and they said, nope, we're doing right. I'm not going along with everybody else. And not only did they survive and enter the promised land, but they wound up influencing. Joshua wound up taking people into the promised land. Caleb inspired other people to do right. So I've just given you kind of a nuts and bolts of a a sermon. So that would be a, a sermon on mixture, Old Testament law. So theoretically you could take any of the Old Testament law, you could ask those questions, come to conclusions, you could find truth. So the Old Testament law is not something we throw away. It's not something we take literal because it's fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And it's uh, not something that we over-spiritualize. But you find out what was the purpose in the writing the Scripture. Okay. Let's open for some questions. Yep. Uh, Question number one: uh, <clears throat> This scripture also be uh, read to uh, for the reason why we don't <coughs> with, with people from the religious world have strange beliefs and doctrines. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's an, another application. And then, so, so that is. And then, um, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, is there are there any texts that you won't preach from, like? I, I understand we preach from every part of the Bible. Are there any scriptures that are this is this is obscure, this is strange? I don't. No, no. You you uh, 
I think that you should preach from any text in the Bible. I would just suggest to you probably the more inexperienced you are, um, you, you're not going to aim for the obscure scriptures and try to explain these uh, very obscure. What you don't do is you don't you don't try to make a major emphasis on an obscure little reference. This is what it means, and I'm going to do a whole, and, and it, there was only one little phrase. So That's, you shouldn't do that. So if you come upon a scripture, you know, I think I asked you once about the, the concubine being chopped up, and think, things that are just the under, is, would, is it then just extreme caution trying to understand it then? You don't want to, you don't want yeah. to start ham-fistedly going at it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there, there are passages probably that uh, I would, you know, there was a time I would not have been able to understand what the scripture means, right? So I've gained experience, and, and so obviously you're going to be farther along because I'm giving you information that maybe I didn't have in the beginning. So uh, you you can. So sometimes it's like I don't know. I'll come back to that another day, and and leave that. But all of the Bible should be preached. It's just how are you going to preach it? No, Nate. And so in, in writing this, Pastor, would you touch base? On, I mean, there's some, like, especially with family, that was one of the biggest things for me is like, um, there are some inevitable mixtures, <coughs> you know what I mean? But like, and <coughs> new converts, like, maybe you should take someone with you, you know what I mean? Like, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's practical, you know, it, it, number one, we get, we get, um, we get new converts. It's very common when you fall in love with Jesus, you want other people to have what you have. So, very common. Someone gets saved, they get powerfully saved, and they say, you know what, uh, all my family live in, in uh, Maine or Alaska, and uh, I'm going to go and witness to them all. So, and we say, well, oh, that's a very good idea, but maybe not, you need to get strong first. So that's a practical, or if it's someone here, and, and uh, you know, you're dealing with drugs and alcohol, your whole family are drug addicts and alcoholics, and, and uh, you know, there's a birthday party uh, you probably shouldn't go alone. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's just a practical. Mm-hmm. That that may be different for for each person. So, and you, you, I think you you touch a few different generalities, but I am confident in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says more than I can say in any sermon. Because otherwise, every sermon I have to say a lot of stuff. Wouldn't it? <laughs> every po- how would this work out in every possible situation? I'm confident if I lay out the principle of mixture, touch a few areas, God may specifically put his finger on somebody's. It may apply differently for each person. Holy Spirit's good at that. Um, would you say that this understanding this would make it easier? I know we're not supposed to like argue with people when we're witnessing, but sometimes they'll bring up Old Testament stuff that maybe I haven't even read or something like that, and I don't know... <laughs> how to directly answer that. I know we need to go back to the cross and Jesus. Would this help to filter through what they're saying? If they're saying, well, it says that, you know, something crazy, like one of the laws or something like that. How do we... How do you... Yeah, that, uh, my, my, my simple rule of thumb is, is uh, whether the person is genuine or not. Right? I mean, you, get, you do get people that they, have, they are genuinely confused I don't. I don't mind trying to tackle a question if I feel that they are. You know, I don't get it. Why do they? Why do they kill people in the Old Testament? Why do they have? You know, there's a. There may be a genuine. Then you just get a guy. You know, uh, every drunk knows that Jesus turned water into wine, right? So I'm not going to argue that. 
that, that's dumb. So if they're making an excuse, it's not yeah. If it's an excuse, then I'm I'm not going to. You know, that's not your problem. Okay. Right. I mean, I got people that they. I, I've been witnessing and people do that, and they, you know, what about the, uh, what about the starving children in Africa? It's, it's like, yeah. And what are you doing for starving children in Africa? Are you really <laughs> laying awake at night? Come on. You know that's an excuse. You know. So, but there are people who genuinely we you you don't have any problem with answering. Uh, something, but always bring him back to the heart and and to the cross. Who else, Ken? When we come across a passage like this, are we to kind of assume that the, the heathen people, whatever, were actually doing these things, mixing or whatever like this, or would we have to study to find that out? Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to study. In this case, um, yeah, you know, you have to study the whole. The whole thing, remember I, I said a strange one about boiling the uh, baby goat in its mother's milk? That actually was a witchcraft practice. So yeah, if you study, then you'll you'll learn that, that people would do that. Uh, it was like magic to get money. So it was very practical. Don't boil a goat in his mother's milk wasn't because he was the original member of PETA and he was concerned <laughs> for goats. It, that was witchcraft. God is saying, don't, don't use magic to get money. It's practical. So in this case, that's not the case. So you study and, and look at it. I've heard it said in pioneer setting, you are careful to preach stuff that isn't too uh, complicated or in depth. You want to start with just basics and stuff. Sure. Does that mean that you, uh, until they have developed a little bit, straight, stay away from from trying to bring symbolism in with the law, or is that something that if you explain it well enough, it can be done? In a, in a very simple, understandable way. You, you could do anything if you, if you can, if they can get their head around it. Yeah. Depending on the ability to make it simple. Sure. Yep. Something else. Okay, that's giving you enough to chew on anyway, huh? All right.